Hey, it's Connie from Cribs and welcome to this week's podcast. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Now, let's get on to this week's episode. Hey guys, Dominic Nesha here from Cribs and today where we are with Adam Sparks, the man from McGrath. Um, you've been in business for 20 odd years. I know that you started off in... Um, you told me earlier in, in suits right. and actually sold John McGrath's suit and that's how you got into the industry. I did, uh, Dom. Firstly, thanks very much for having me today. Yeah, it's, it's honour to be you. here. Honour to be here. You've had some very distinguished guests and uh, so I'm privileged to be here. Yeah. But uh, in a snapshot of my career, I, you're right, I did uh, start in menswear. So I left school in the late 80s and uh, never went to uni, but I got a retail job. I worked in various uh, menswear stores when Giorgio Armani first came to Sydney in 1995, I, I took on a role there. Um, and after around three years, um, I really enjoyed that. I did sell John McGrath a suit um, back then. And I was thinking, I've always had a love for property and in particular beautiful design and architecture. And I thought there's probably a good way for me to slot into a real estate career by um, considering a projects role. So John, to his credit, took me on uh, all those years ago, back in 1998. And McGrath, then we didn't have a McGrath Projects, uh, I guess, uh, entity. but We had a few guys that were listing some great projects in and around the Sydney metropolitan area, and I was their gun salesman. So I did that for around six or seven years. Um, I then uh, moved on to Multiplex Living. We yep. had a project in Oxford Street in Darlinghurst known as Monument, which was the old Koala Inn Hotel, designed by a beautiful um, team in Melbourne called Wood Marsh. Um, so working on that from McGrath, the sales director there, a mentor of mine, the old Silver Fox, Kevin Driscoll, said, come and work for us, Sparksy at Multiplex. So I went over there for a few years. I enjoyed that. They decided then to really uh, re ramp up their, their construction business, not so much residential. Mm -hmm. And then an opportunity came up uh, with Fraser's. And in 2006, I joined Fraser's, stayed with them for around seven years. And that's an invaluable experience for me working there. I um, worked on some amazing projects under the guidance of Dr. Stanley Quick. Mm -hmm. who had a partnership with Fraser's Singapore. Um, we worked on a number of projects, including the Lumiere building at Town Hall. So that's their flagship site that kind of kicked a lot of it off, yeah, right? it is, totally. So I guess it, it's deemed as the first vertical village, um, designed by Lord Norman Foster, amazing amenity and common area, facilities for all the residents to use, and then separately uh, a hotel component as well. Mm. In addition to that, he then moved on and did the Trio Old Camperdown Children's Hospital in um, uh, Fender Katsalidis design, three buildings as the name suggests, um, amazing views back to the city. Um, and then purchased the old Cutler United Brewery just around the corner from here. Oh, right behind us, yeah. Exactly. Uh, so then uh, he set about finding uh, a collaboration of the world's most talented architectural team and design team. So Lord Norman Foster again, uh, Atelier Jean Nouvelle from Paris, mm -hmm. and then the French botanist Patrick Blanc. Um, and they then had the vision for the first two towers, which is uh, one central park, East and West Tower. Um, and as you can see today, it's, it is a spectacular, um, finished, living, breathing community. Can I just hold you for a second? Because I, I know that you, we've still got a laundry list of other places you've worked at because you've just been, you went at Lendley's and, and back to McGrath now and Crown Group mm -hmm. and... You've been doing this for 20 years, so you know this industry better than most. I, I, I often take clients down to that development just mm -hmm. to show them 
what new development can be like. Mm. Do you remember what the original prices were for ones and two beds back in the day? I do. I can tell you in 2010, we, we launched the project. Yeah. We were uh, achieving around twelve or 13,000 a square metre, yeah. which for this particular postcode or area was around 25% above anything else that had ever sold in the area. So mm. we were trailblazing. We had to set about engaging with the community through a series of community consultation exercises. Yeah. We had a lot of people opposed to the development and once they understood our vision they became our best advocates in actual fact and many of them actually uh, purchased into the precinct but uh, from 12,000 their current uh, resale values there are now pushing closer to 20 18 to 20,000 per square meter yeah they're much and the new Mm. stuff that they've sold since then is Mm. northward of that that's right yes so for those people that don't think that there's um growth in brand new property Pretty well, self-evident. Totally. So that's probably a good question. Now that we're, um, it's, it's a great segue rather. Mm-hmm. Um, who do you think uh, should be buying brand new property? I think um, it's a it's a whole range. I mean, with brand new property, there is a, a wide selection to choose from. There has been in recent times a little bit of a stigma about the brand new, you know, uh, combustible cladding, Opal Tower, Mascot Towers. Um, and I think it's left a little bit of uncertainty. But my experience tells that um, Australia has amongst the strictest standards in the world in terms of the building code of Australia uh, requirements to uh, complete a building. And by far and large, most projects, most developers and their builders are doing uh, you know, world-class design and also construction. So um, that said, my phone is ringing, sorry. pardon you're a busy man. You're running a number of projects <laughs> yeah, at this stage. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, so, so that said, I think the type of people that would uh, be attracted to brand new uh, could be first-time homebuyers. It could be um, investors. We're seeing right now in this market mostly owner-occupiers, and that's yes. a mixture of uh, downsizers, upgraders, first-homeowners. Um, they're seeing now at the completion stage, so there's still a number of projects that are now nearing and at completion where people can walk by, touch and feel and see the actual completed uh, properties and that's um, leading to sales, of course. A little bit more uncertainty for off the plan, but I think for the right project with the right team, um, we're going to continue to see successful launches in the year ahead. Okay, well, that's 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 really good. Another segue, actually. You're really good at this. <laughs> um, so for the right project, the right development, the right team, um, what I've noticed in time is we've gotten much better at creating beautiful CGIs, Binyan and yeah. all those guys. And, and, and then marketing teams like your, your Frosts and stuff mm. are creating beautiful sales collateral and material and immersion rooms and, yeah. you know... Um, it's easy to kind of fall victim to a lot of these beautiful projects mm-hmm. and for all intensive purposes, if you don't know what's behind and who's inside the team or what they're doing, uh, uh, you know, a, a buyer will just kind of walk in and think everything's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think buyers should be asking sales agents and, and um, development teams to help them make a more informed decision and look past those pretty pictures? Well, I, firstly, I agree totally that the creative marketing teams that are out there at the moment are doing an unbelievable job. And Binyan is one example. Their CGIs, you compare the CGIs to the actual finished product and it's hard to tell the difference. Really? So I think a sign of a quality developer is the amount of effort they put into their marketing suite to demonstrate what their vision is for the completed project. 
Um, and often that can be um, evoke a sense of, of, of what the completed product will look like and give people some level of confidence. Um, I think, though, on a cautious front, uh, you'd be wise to check with the agent, check with the developer, what is the background of the developer? What have they delivered in the past? What are their past achievements? Have they won an award? Which building team are they using just as importantly as well? And what awards or accolades have they delivered as well? And if there's a list of, um, of comparable past legacy projects they have delivered, go and check them out. Go and walk past them, uh, speak to people that might be living in there. Secondly, from a, a legal standpoint, from the um, legislation, there's going to be a new stricter um, regime coming into place as of 1st of December. And that will give purchases for off-the-plan properties a little bit more com comfort. Um, for example, the settlement time frame is typically 14 days from registration of the strata plan and occupation certificate. That's yep. not a lot of time. Uh. At McGrath Projects, we do our level best to help our clients and give them a full overview as to what the time frame is well in advance. So there's no uncertainty as to when they have to settle. But that 14-day period will change to 21 days as Good. of 1st of December. Um, you think about the Raylan group, the collapse of them. They made some sales whereby their deposits were released to the purchaser. Unheard of. I mean, Crazy. why would you do that? That will strictly be forbidden from now on. Um, and the other elements that will come in 1st of December is a 10-day cooling-off period, which they may have the right to waive if they choose to do so, but 10 rather than 5 uh, days cooling off. So there's measures that the, the government uh, are putting in place um, from a legal standpoint that are designed to help purchasers uh, through their purchase. Um, I think uh, do your research, um, speak to your lawyer, get some investment advice as well if you've got an accountant or a financial planner that you would deal with. Find out if it's right for you and, and uh, ask the agent a, a whole host of questions that are going to give you a good understanding of truly what the end product will be like. So I, I often like to ask, you know, how many sales have you made? What kind of speed of the site moving at? Um, this is a bit of a leading question because I think you know where it's going. But I've, I've walked into some beautiful developments, display suites, amazing. Um, and then you find out we've only made a couple of sales mm -hmm. out of hundreds. And for me, that's an alarm bell because mm -hmm. it says, well, does this developer have the capacity to meet their funding that's true. It's a really good question, Dom. Um, I think that it's what we call qualifying pre-sales as opposed to non-qualifying pre-sales. A developer will require uh, a certain number of qualifying pre-sales and it's typically between 50 and 70% of the, of the stage that might be released or the building for that matter. But once they achieve that, then the bank will look at funding the construction um, I guess, finance and allow the builder to commence. But if the pre-sales are, are, are scarce and, and, and uh, not um, to the level as required, then you really need to understand when are they going to hit that pre-sale target because it could mean that you're buying something today and you're only a, one of a handful of purchases and then what happens between now and uh, when they start. And I guess that then comes back to advice early on and getting the marketing and also the price right too. Okay. So uh, pricing has a lot to do with it and uh, the heady days where you could get, for an example, on an inner city project, uh, 20,000 a square metre, you might now be comfortably getting 17. But for the developers that are still holding out for 19 or 20, there's going to be a shortfall there. Okay, so 
Awesome. Thank you. There's some really good questions in from the buyer. So just to summarize a lot of that, make sure you're asking plenty of questions and you want to be looking past those pretty pictures to get to the integrity of the site. Will they meet their funding requirements? Who's the development team? What have they completed in the past? And now when you're exchanging on a contract, you've got more time to do your research, um, inspect some of their past sites, talk to the tenants and just take your time in the process. You don't need to make any rash decisions. Now, when you're uh, looking for an apartment mm-hmm. or a house mm-hmm. and you've, you're a part of a development where, like the one behind us, there might be hundreds or even thousands in there. Yeah, 2,000. What, what specifically are you looking for or what kind of recommendations or advice would you give to a buyer to help them pick an apartment or a house or a townhouse mm-hmm that is going to give them what they want, if it's an investment and if it's their own home? Like how do you how do you get them to separate from the pack? What are things you're looking for or asking to see? I think it's almost one of the same. So if you're an owner, you need to have the same instinct uh, as an investor. So what is important to you as an owner? If, could I live here? I think that's a great question for an investor. And often the ones with a slight point of difference can have the greatest demand from potential tenants out the other end when it's finished. So, for example, it might be that it's got a spectacular view or it's got a ground floor larger terrace or courtyard as a point of difference. Um, It might be that it's an unusually large floor plan by its position in the the building or it has a study nook that can be used um, potentially as a guest bedroom. So things like that with a point of difference um, often maintain their value, become really sought after out the other end by the potential tenants. And obviously if you're buying to live there, you're going to enjoy the uh, environment um, of the one you've chosen if it has such a point of difference. So key points of difference is what's a stand out for you? I, I believe so, yes. And in a good quality building, there's never going to be any badly designed buildings, but there's going to be some that are a little bit more desirable in terms of the apartment layouts and the orientation. And uh, they're the ones to get in early. And that's the benefit of getting in early off the plan as well, having a pick and a full selection from the entire building rather than leaving it uh, until perhaps uh, the better ones may have already uh, sold. And do you think there's any value in some of the ugly ducklings? You know, you're in the development, there's one that's facing south and there's something that's odd, not quite right, but the price is just so compelling. It's like the developer knows yep. this is not right, I need to heavily yep. discount it and it can be a good investment? Or Well... I actually own one in Central Park and I bought a south-facing one. The reason I chose the south-facing one is because it's looking back at Central Park and it has never been vacant. Um, We uh, bought it for an investment purpose, um, but we've got a 13-year-old son. He's in year seven at school. Fast forward maybe um, seven years from now, if he's deciding to study in the area, it'll be a great uh, crash pad for him. Or love shack for him, I don't imagine. I'd be charging rent. <laughs> You'd be looking for mates' rates. Don't yeah. worry about that. But the south-facing one, it was less expensive at the time, but I thought that it had a great view. I think on some of the less desirable ones, if they are truly at an amazing sort of uh, purchase price, then they can often show a stronger rental yield than some of the more premium ones. So there's some merit to it. I wouldn't have a portfolio full of the uh, less desirable ones, though. <laughs> Okay. And um, what do you see um, people buying brand new property? What mistakes are you seeing that are quite common? What, what are the things that you're seeing out in the market and you're saying, well, you're kind of shaking your head or you think, wow, that's not – you're making a poor decision there. Well, I, I think there's there's a number of companies that are here now that, uh, that just don't have a track record. So that means that uh, people might uh, be caught up in the hype and make a buying decision. But um, – 
the deliverables just aren't there because they don't align with the quality builders. So push that aside for the vast majority of projects coming to the market that are of a high calibre and high standard. Um, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> so what mistakes are purchasers making when they're so, buying properties, brand new in particular? So I, I aside think, from crappy developers, yeah. But we'll move aside from crappy developers. I think um, there's in a few years ago when the the market was white hot, we were finding that there was buyers just making decisions for the fear of missing out. But then at the other end, if they've bought in a frenzy and perhaps paid uh, over, then we've got some valuation concerns out the other end too. So if they're, if they're financing it then valuations coming back on a shortfall of 10 or 15% um, can spe- spell um, but there's some settlement risk. Um, by far and large, uh, at McGrath Projects, we would work with the best developers we possibly can, can and we would guide uh, clients through it. But our philosophy is a six-star customer service, so if there is one or two uh, dwellings that are less desirable, we would steer our clients away from that put them towards the most desirable ones so that would negate any risk of it not being as desirable by a potential tenant out the other end. Okay, very good. So basically in, in some of the mistakes you're seeing at the moment, people buying when they're urgent or making rash decisions or um, you know, buying less desirable units, apartments, yep. townhouses or houses. So those days are over now um, uh, by far and large and I think now a, a cautious approach and research will negate any um, ability to buy in, you know, an inferior product. Okay. And what are some of your buying techniques for purchasers? How, do you, how would you recommend a purchaser go about entering the market and look and start the, 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 the search or the journey and what kind of things would you recommend they do to go and buy property if you're a buyer's agent? Yep. I think firstly uh, it's important to get some advice, uh, some financial advice. So it depends. Um, everyone's situation is going to be different. But um, um, if, I, if I use Ironfish as a company and their, their mantra, they, their mantra is you must buy four properties. Mm-hmm. Uh, for you, Dom, that might take you four years. For someone else, it might take uh, 12 or 15 years. But once you have four properties, that's your uh, key to wealth creation and financial freedom. And you want to keep and maintain it uh, for a long time. But getting the right advice early on so to understand exactly what your current capacity is based on your personal circumstances will then give you an idea around a budget that you could look at. Then research it as well. Get some advice from um, you know an agent that's going to be able to uh, recommend areas that might have a, a potential for growth or are a representative of a, a good value proposition. Um, research as much as you can, and it's so easy in this day and age as well with the internet, and, you know, online and social media to obtain instant feedback on what other people are saying and talking about projects. Listen too. to this podcast, you might get a couple of tips. <laughs> True. And, um, and do you think that you know, new property is the holy grail or should you have a mixed portfolio? I personally think the there are absolute specific benefits of buying brand new as opposed to older style. Um, they namely are that uh, that they're going to be very sought after by tenants when the building's finished. But there's also some taxation benefits too. Um, so such as negative gearing, if there's a, a potential a shortfall on the mortgage repayments, that shortfall as an out-of-pocket expense for you as the owner is tax deductible uh, when you do your tax return. There's also depreciation allowances as well. That's so a big one. It is a big one. So the, the cost to rebuild can be claimed over a period of, of a 40-year time frame. 
But so brand new largely, but I also believe that uh, a mix of older style as well, um, in good locations, in well-maintained buildings without a massive uh, strata you know, levy impost, um, primarily residential, because um, that's what I know and love, but I think in addition to that, uh, uh, perhaps a commercial or retail um, opportunity as well. Um, budget permitting um, can also do really well. Um, commercial in particular, because you can often have a longer lease period, uh, lock in a five-year lease with a five-year renewal period, yep. and that uh, then uh, generates a good solid income. I'm also seeing, though, as, as a lot of uh, astute investors are now considering, is it time to buy with my superannuation? Yeah. So super, I think, is also a great vehicle to, um, to invest in property. Um, now, you need a large amount if you wanted to buy outright, um, and it is getting slightly more difficult to borrow against your super, um, but there are institutions that are lending against super, and, and if you're a person in your 30s or early 40s, um, I think it's a good time to consider buying something in your super. You know, fast forward to in your mid-60s when you're starting to think about retiring, you can have an asset that's significantly built up. So tell me, where are we buying then? What, what good buyers are you seeing at the moment? Because you are, McGrath Projects is across largely the yep. whole of the nation. Um, you're definitely across the eastern seaboard, got a yep. very strong presence. Yep. Um, what good opportunities are you seeing in the market that mm -hmm. um, people should have a look at? Well, we are national, so you're right, but we've got um, some opportunities here in Sydney. Um, we've got one that's just completed at Rouse Hill. Um, it's 136 apartments with 24 still for sale. So there's a number of one bedrooms that are around 530. There's a number of two bedrooms from 675. Of course, under 600000 for first homeowners, there's the benefit of the homeowner's grant and also the free stamp duty. Yep. So other than Sydney, um, which traditionally is going to be a little bit uh, priced higher, I'm seeing some great value in southeast Queensland. So we've got a team on the Gold Coast, we've got a team in Brisbane, stretching right up to the Sunshine Coast. One project in particular uh, by the Chang Fa, C-H-A-N-G-F-A, Chang Fa mm -hmm. Group, is in Hope Island, around 17 kilometres north of Surface Paradise. Hutchinson is the builder there, and we've got house and land there from 498,000. Okay. Up to over 600,000. There's a number at 537,000. I think they're exceptional value. Three bedroom, two bathroom, beautifully designed, two-storey townhomes. Yep. And we are mostly seeing owner-occupiers and indeed first homeowners. There's a number that have, couples that I'm aware of that have come from Sydney. They see an absolute value proposition. They're relocating on a lifestyle choice um, on an affordable home. Um, but for investors there at, at, at four ninety eight thousand, you're going to rent for five fifty per week. That's a good rental return. It certainly is. And you've got a nice site in um, Melbourne. Hate to give an, another project a plug, but I just I saw <laughs> it. I like it. It's a great area on yep. the city fringes. And yeah, thanks, Dominic. We've we've got a um, a developer that we're uh, uh, we work closely with. It's called the Salter Group, and they happen to be shareholders of McGrath. Yep. I should add, but they have two um, projects in Abbotsford, which is around three k's from the Melbourne CBD. Right next to Collingwood. Yeah, not far. It's it, it's um, well, it's, uh, Richmond is the Richmond, next yeah. next door suburb, um, but across the road from Kew and Hawthorne. But it's literally right on the banks of the Yarra River, big north-facing parcel of land. Um, it's called the Park House Apartments, mm -hmm. and we've um, it's, it's a large building. It's over two buildings, finishing next year in July and October. But on a waterfront, you think about Sydney waterfront. I know that's riverfront as opposed to harbourfront, but. 12,000 a square metre, I think that represents some very good value. 
put that in perspective, there's $485,000 one-bedrooms, $720,000 two-bedrooms. Three bedrooms are almost completely sold. Um, and then next door, there's an adjoining site which are oversized one, two, three, and even four-bedroom apartments. And mm. that's in Warmer Street, uh, warmer.com.au. But um, Bates Smart Architects on that one and beautiful, beautiful finishes, amazing finishes. The display suites alone are spectacular. And Melbourne do a really good job. I have to come up and check it out. You'll Down rather. You'll have to, Dom. Yeah, let me know. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get you through. I'll roll the red carpet out yeah. for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, Adam, thank you very much for coming in today. Pleasure. Really, really good hearing about your breadth of knowledge and, and passing all this information that buyers can use. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Dom. All the best. Thank Catch you. Catch you guys later. Bye.